Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10. It says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Let's lift up the King of glory today. Open our hearts and let our worship pour. 
worthy to be praised. We welcome you this morning, church family, online, if you're watching us and wherever you are watching us from. We're so glad you're joining us this morning to worship the Lord, to lift up Jesus. He is the name above all names. And this is a time to seek his face. And so even though we can't gather here physically, we can still celebrate. We can still rejoice in his goodness, in his mercy, in his glory that he has revealed himself to us. And we are alive in him. And so we celebrate you, Lord. We are thankful that we have life and we are thankful, Lord, that you have given us eternal life and we have a living hope. And so rejoice at home today with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. If you're watching alone, then rejoice with us. We're with you. Let's lift up the Lord together. Praise him, the almighty, the king of all creation, the sovereign over all things this morning. Amen. Let's sing to him. This morning, we worship his name. We remember our God and what he has done and that he is worthy of our praise. And so as we continue in our worship, I want to read together Psalm 23. This psalm has been incredibly comforting to me because as I read it, as I see it, as I hear it, I'm reminded 
I'm reminded of what my God has done, of what he continues to do for his children. So would you read this with me? This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths that are right for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is our prayer that we will live and dwell in the goodness of God. Running after, it's running after me. We say. 
Church. I'm Chad Lowe, the interim campus pastor of Tri-Village Church, our Streamwood campus. If you're tuning in and want to get connected with our church more deeply, we want to meet you. Would you take a moment and text connect to the number on the screen? Our team would love to chat with you and hear how we can help you grow in your faith. Also, if you have a prayer request, we want to be able to pray for your needs and celebrate how God is working in your life. You can text prayer and you get a response back asking for your prayer request. If you'd rather keep it anonymous, we would still love to pray with you. Throughout this pandemic, our long-term global missionaries have been critical. This week, we heard from one of our missionaries, Gene Jordan, with Mission Aviation Fellowship. MAF uses airplanes to bring hope and help to remote people groups around the world. Officials in Indonesia contacted MAF to fly vital supplies to a remote province to help fight COVID-19. That same day, 700 pounds of rapid tests, surgical masks, gloves, medicine, and other crucial supplies were loaded on an MAF plane for the 400-mile flight. Before this cargo-filled plane arrived, COVID-19 tests in the province had been flown over 2,000 miles to Jakarta, and the results took weeks. In addition, the hospital is low on medicine to treat critically ill patients and PPE to protect medical workers. But thanks to this one flight, test results can be received within one day. That's right, one day. Supplies are restocked and lives are literally being saved. God is at work around the world and your generosity furthers ministry both here in our local communities and all the way on the other side of the world. If you're able, would you take a moment right now to prayerfully consider giving or setting up a reoccurring gift to support ministry through Wheaton Bible? You can easily do this by texting Wheaton Bible to 77977 or by visiting our website, wheatonbible.org give, or you can mail a check to the church office. Thank you so much for being a part of the ministry at Wheaton Bible Church. Now let's pray for our church and pray for the offering that we're about to receive. Lord God, we praise you. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are wonderful. Lord, you are a God who saves, who heals, who hears us. And Lord, we, we praise you for what's taking place through MAF. Lord, we praise you for people who are getting the medical supplies that they need, who are getting tests quickly. Lord, we praise you for the ministries and missionaries who are at work around the world. And we also praise you for the ministries and missionaries who are at work in our communities. Lord, lives are truly being transformed and saved. Lord, we pray that you continue to heal those who are sick. We pray that you'd restore families. I pray for marriages and homes that are still living in self-isolation. 
Lord, I pray that there would be continued community and that your church would grow more and more. Lord, that we would love you deeply and that we would live for you in our lives. Lord, I pray over this service. I pray that as we hear your word taught, Lord, as we worship you with our words, with our actions, and with our lives, that you would receive all of the glory. You are worthy of our praise, Lord God. And you are so, so faithful. We praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your goodness. And we pray that our lives will be transformed through the renewing of our minds and Lord, through the indwelling of your spirit. We pray this in your name, amen. Desperately, helplessly, longingly, I cried. Quietly, patiently, lovingly, he replied. I pleaded and I wept for a clue to my fate. And the master so gently said, Child, you must wait. Wait? You say wait? My indignant reply. Lord, I need answers. I need to know why. Is your hand shortened? Or have you not heard? By faith I have asked, and I am claiming your word. My future and all to which I can relate hangs in the balance. And you tell me, wait? I am needing a yes or a go-ahead sign or even a no to which I can resign. And Lord, you have promised that if we believe, we need but to ask and we shall receive. And Lord, I have been asking and this is my cry. I am weary of asking. I need a reply. Then quietly, softly, I learned of my fate. As my master replied once again, you must wait. So I slumped in my chair, defeated and taught, and grumbled to God, so I'm waiting for what? He seemed then to kneel. And his eyes met with mine. And he tenderly said, I could give you a sign. I could shake the heavens, darken the sun, raise the dead, cause the mountains to run. All you see I could give, and pleased you would be. You would have what you want, but you would know me. You would not know the depth of my love for each saint. You would not know the power that I give to the faint. You would not learn to see through clouds of despair. You would not learn to trust just by knowing I am there. You would not know the joy of resting in me when darkness and silence was all you could see. You would never experience that fullness of love as the peace of my spirit descends like a dove. You would know that I give and I save for a start, but you would not know the depth and beat of my heart. The glow of my comfort late in the night, the faith that I give when you walk without sight. The death that's beyond getting just what you ask from an infinite God who makes what you have last. And you never would know 
should your pain quickly flee. What it means that my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, your dreams for that loved one overnight could come true. But the loss, if you lost what I am doing in you. So be silent, my child. And in time you will see that the greatest of gifts is to get to know me. And though often may my answers seem terribly late, my most precious answer of all is still wait. Good morning, familia. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at church, and I wanted to welcome all of you. Uh, today, I wanted to extend a welcome, and a special welcome, to two groups of people in specific. I wanted to welcome all of you that are part of our Kids' Life ministry, all of our little ones, and I want you to know that we deeply love you and we deeply miss you, and I got to tell you that this place is so boring without you. So I'm so looking forward to, to seeing you guys again. I also want to welcome uh, all the students that are a part of a student life, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, I want you to know that you guys are the coolest people in the church. And I also, you need to know that this place is not the same without you. Uh, we miss you and we love you. And if you are just part of uh, our church already, if you're part of our uh, worship services, either the um, uh, traditional service or the contemporary service, or if you're part of TVC, uh, Tri-Village in Streamwood, or if you're part of Iglesia, uh, uh, I want you to know, first of all, that you are not as cool as you think you are. And yet, we miss you so much. We deeply, deeply, deeply love you. And we deeply, deeply, deeply miss you. And I keep praying that the Lord allows us to be together again. And if you are tuning in for the first time and this is, uh, and you don't have a church, I want to welcome you. And I want you to know that we are here to serve you and we are here to love you. So please let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Now, last week we started a new series based on the book of Habakkuk uh, that we have called Faith in, Ta- in Times of Trouble. Uh, and the reason why we wanted to go through that book is because that book tells us, tells us a story about this prophet that is seeing everything that God's people are going through. And even though it's a prophet that has some sort of relationship with God and knows about God's covenants and I know, I know about God's promises, he still needs to learn how to live by faith in times of trouble. He's still trying to wrestle with this because he knows that the only person he can go to is God in the midst of trouble. With that in mind then, I want to invite you to read with me Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Once again, Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And if you have your Bible, please open it. And if you don't, uh, we're going to be putting the verses on the screen. So please read with me. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so so that at herald may run with it. Verse 3, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, 
Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Allow me to pray. Lord, as we gather here today, I pray that the presence of your spirit may be with us. I pray, Lord, that you're speaking to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you uh, help us understand the necessity of faith in times of trouble. We pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for his person. We pray for his ministry. We pray, Lord, that you illuminate our minds and transform our hearts. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says, amen. Now today, uh, today's title for, for the message today is patience, uh, patience and faith, a gift of waiting. Let me go back so you can see it there. Uh, let me handle the, the screen from here, please. Uh, patience and faith in the gift and the gift of waiting. Um, and this is part of the reason why we read this poem by Russell Kelfler. Uh, actually, the title of the poem is Wait. And if you paid attention to the poem, um, the questions that this person has are very similar to the questions that the prophet has. And actually, this person is waiting for God's answers the same way this prophet is waiting for God's answers. This is a person wrestling with God. And God continues to answer to whoever wrote this poem the same thing that he answered to the prophet. Wait. Just wait. This is exactly what we see in the text, for example, in verse 1. This is the prophet here. This is the prophet speaking and saying to, to God, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This is the same thing, asking questions, confronting God, asking him to give an explanation and why is it that we go through the things that we go through. The answer, though, from the Lord is exactly the same. He says, wait. Though it linger, wait. See, I, I don't know about you, but me, I really don't like that word. If I, if, I, if I am completely honest, I don't like the word. I don't like the word wait. I like to use it on my daughters, and I like to use it on my wife, but I got to be completely honest. I don't like it when, when people that use that word on me. Actually, I really don't like when the Lord uses that word on me. See, I, I think that the, the term of waiting and the concept of waiting is not natural to us. I actually think that what is natural to us is to not want to wait. It is unnatural to us to want to wait. It is unnatural to us to want to wait because we live in a sinful world and we are sinful people. It is unnatural to us to wait because the tendency of the human heart is to think that we know best. It's to think that our timing is the best timing. It is unnatural to us because we think that we should have control. This does not come easy to me, and I want to assume that this does not come easy to you. This might be the reason why an author says this. We don't find it easy to watch or to wait because we're much better at taking and doing. Or we are, we are much better in talking and doing. The reality is that the gift of waiting 
to patiently waiting, it has to be a gift from God. It has to be God working in our hearts. Sam Storm, which is a preacher, a theologian, and an author, he says this, No one comes by patience naturally. No one instinctively responds to adversity and interruptions without at least some measure of irritation and anger. No one encounters opposition to one's plans without some sort of degree of agitation and frustration. Patience, to put it simply, is counterintuitive. It is not something with which we are born. It is instead a work of God's grace in the human hearts, a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this author is completely right. Patience is a gift of the Spirit. It is God working in us, turning us, making us into patient people. So the question for us today is this. If this is the work of God, if the, if the, is patience, patiently waiting is something that God has to work in us, then do we have permission to just sit back and relax? And I want to argue that that's not, what, that's not a biblical concept. What I want to argue is that even though there is, a, there is th- that this falls under the sovereignty of God, that God is in control and God needs to work in us, at the same time, we have a human responsibility. How is it that we respond when we have to patiently wait? Well, that's what we're going to learn here in the text today. That patiently waiting requires three things. It requires honesty, it requires perspective, and it requires faithfulness. Honesty, perspective, and faithfulness. First question is, why honesty? And I want to hear at the beginning, I want to briefly mention, or maybe not so briefly, but I want to mention something that was briefly mentioned last week. Um, and, and the reason why I want to come back to that is because that concept appears here Again, the same way it, appears, it appeared last week in the text we read. And it has to do with this word, complained. Complaining. And the reason why we use this translation, the, word, the, the reason why our version of the Bible uses the word complain, is because this is a familiar word. But I want you to pay attention here, because the word complain in the original... Uh, is not like the complaint that we have today. You see, in our context, when we complain, we are complaining maybe because something is bothering us. And sometimes we complain because we're just whiny any people. Or we complain because something goes wrong. But that is not the idea behind the word complain in the original. Actually, the word complain in the original is more like an expression of lament. Is when we struggle emotionally and spiritually and even sometimes physically. Actually, when you look at that word in different parts of the Old Testament, you would see that the, the translation for that word complain here in Habakkuk is the same word that is used for rebuking someone. It's the same word that is used when you uh, show or, or uh, express strong disapproval. It is a word that is used in the Old Testament when you're trying to punish, quote-unquote, punish someone. Now, that is shocking to me as I read this text because this is a prophet, a man of God, a man that understands God, knows and believes in God's plans, knows that God is sovereign, knows that God is supreme, and yet he comes before the Lord arguing with God. 
being completely honest with God, expressing to God how he feels. And it almost feels disrespectful. I want to argue that this is not the only guy that does this in the Bible. I would like to invite you to see that this is the proper response before the Lord when we are going through hardship. This is the proper response before the Lord in times of trouble. I would like to argue that this is not a demonstration of lack of faith. If anything, is what faithful people do. To make my, case, uh, make my case, let me show you um, a few examples in the Bible of other people that were struggling with God and wrestling with God. So, for example, in verse 44, we have the psalmist telling God, Awake, Lord, why are you sleeping? This is almost like telling God, don't you care? In Psalm 89, the psalmist says, Lord, where is your former great love? In other words... Why don't you love me? Jeremiah chapter 15, known as the whiny prophet, as the crying prophet, he says, you are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. In other words, I am spiritually thirsty, and you, won't, and you just won't satisfy my thirst. Those are harsh words. This is God, uh, people speaking to God in almost like in a disrespectful way. Job chapter 3, a perfect example of this. There's a point in which his pain is so big, it's so great, that he's questioning why is it that he was born. And he tells God, why is it that you brought me here, Job chapter 3. Now, some people will hear this and say, well, that was an evidence of lack of faith. They did that because they were sinful people. But on the other hand, we find Jesus in Isaiah 52 described as someone that was bruised, meaning, in the original, someone that was emotionally, spiritually, and physically in pain. And in Matthew 26, we see Jesus at Gethsemane pouring out his heart before the Father telling him how honestly he's struggling. You know, this is important to keep in mind. Now, there's one more psalm that I would invite you to read whenever you get a chance. Especially when you want to demonstrate and you want to express and when you, when you want to vent everything that you're going through. And in Psalm 88, the saddest psalms of all. For 18 verses, this person is complaining to God, arguing with God, asking questions to God. And then at the end, he says this. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. You know what's the uh, implication of that sentence? That he's saying to God, if darkness is my closest friend, then you are not my friend. If you left me alone, you are not my friend. Honesty. Brutal honesty. Now, I know that what I'm saying for some of you might be offensive. And I want to argue that you have to pay attention to how God, res God responded 
to every single one of these cries. And I want to invite you to consider that when these people came to God and said what they said, not in not one of those complaints, God is called them, is, uh, God responded at rebuking them. In not one of those texts. In not one of those texts, God responded to them saying, how dare you? Not once. Do you know why? Because instead of doing that, he listens. Because God understands that we are just human. And if you actually pay attention, those were prayers. Prayers of lamentation. Prayers that need to be done in times of trouble. Because it is much better to talk to God than to talk about God. Once again, these are not examples of lack of faith. I want to argue that these are examples of evidences of faith. Because they're talking to the one that can actually not just understand, but do something. This is why Christianity is different to everything else. See, I don't, I don't know about you and I don't know about your background, but the way you grew up and what you were taught when you were little actually affects the way um, you confront suffering today. So, for example, if you, if, you, if you come from a background that is moralistic, meaning um, a, a group of people, when things go, goes wrong, the answer is you just got to try harder. You know, if things go wrong, just try harder. The, the question that I have for you is this. What happens when you try really hard and things don't change? What happens when you try really hard and you still feel this pain inside of you that you don't know how to deal with? Maybe that's not you. Maybe you belong to a different group in which when you go through these troubles and problems, the answer is, well, you just confront it. You know, you just face it like a man. What happens when you get tired of doing that? For some of the people, the response is, I just got to find an escape. I got to do something to distract myself. I got to do something to avoid the pain and pretend that the pain is not there. But how much can you run? How about if you, you can't escape anymore? What are you going to do then? Maybe you're not one of those. Maybe you're just the product of the secular modern age that teaches you that the way you deal with suffering is by applying some sort of technique, some pragmatic thing that you ought to do. The irony of that is that you can actually find, find some techniques that will help you uh, deal with circumstances. And in some cases, changes circumstances. But this is the reality. That techniques do not have the power to change your heart. And it is in your heart where pain is. I believe that the Bible calls us to be honest with him. Because when we are honest with him, we are honest with ourselves. No need to pretend. No need to escape. No need to try, no, no need to try harder. Go to him. The only way we get to grow in patience, the only way we get to patiently wait is by practicing 
the gift of weeping in faith, complaining in faith, being honest in faith. This is what an author said. God wants that this kind God wants the kind of honesty which Habakkuk confronted him. God wants us to trust him with our deepest fears and our wildest feelings. God wants us to throw everything at him, not to pretend that we do not think and feel in ways which in ways which are for a certain kind of believer unacceptable and shocking. God wants you to be honest. That's point number 1. Now let's go to point number two, because to grow in patience and to learn how to wait, it requires not just honesty, but perspective. And this is what I mean by this, that the Bible is not just calling us to vent before the Lord, but it's calling us to learn to see through the lenses that God has, or to see through God's lenses. And this, this is why these two words in verse 1 are so important. Look at the word here, watch, and look at the word ramparts. This is, notice here that waiting is not inactivity. Waiting is actually proactive. The prophet here is using this metaphor of a watchman that is standing in a rampart, which is a tower, trying to see as much as he can see. In other words, trying to have a perspective. And as, as, and as the prophet is trying to do this, this is what he's saying. The prayer is, yes, Lord, this is terrible, but I need answers. I need you to help me see. I need you to help me understand. Now look how the Lord responds in verse 3. For the revelation, uh, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. And then later on at the end of that verse, he says, it would certainly come and will not delay. And this is basically what the Lord is saying. You will know what you need to know at one point. In my timing, not your timing. Now, when I'm, when I'm reading that text, I got to be honest, I, I'm like, what? This, this is not what the prophet is asking. The, the prophet is asking for answers, and the Lord's response is, you will know what you need to know in my timing. For now, don't worry. And for me, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. How is that supposed to help this man? Well, see, as you keep on reading, and when you think about this text, you realize that the Lord is really intentional about that answer. He's saying, you might not get the answers you want. At one point, you're going to get the answers you want. But for now, just trust. Trust me. But what I want you to see is that this is not just a, a trust in his character or trust in him as a person and God all powerful, but trusting God because in the midst of everything, he's always doing something. Trusting that in God's providence, trusting that in God's wisdom, trusting that in God's sovereignty, sovereignty he's always doing something. He's always doing something that eventually gives him glory. And believe it or not, it's always for our good. The reason why I'm saying that is because that's what I believe. That's what I understand. The Lord is saying right in the middle of verse 3. When he says, look it, I have a plan and will not prove false. This is basically the Lord telling Habakkuk, you can trust me. You can trust my timing and what I'm doing. Because I cannot lie. Trust me. There is a reason why all of this is happening. One day you will understand, but right now, 
You don't need to. Just trust me. See, I, I, I want to invite you to consider that many of the questions we have, many of the things that we want to know, we actually don't come to know them until later on in life. See, as much as we want to understand everything that we're going through right now, and as much as we want answers for everything that we're going through right now, even if we think that we already have answers, I want to invite you to consider that most of our answers come later on in life. You know how I know that? Because the Bible is full of examples like that. Joseph, for example. Joseph did not know why he was, he was sold into slavery. Joseph did not know why he was sent uh, to Egypt. It was only until 20 to 25 years later that Joseph finally understands why he said that he needed to go through that. See, Joseph is not the only person that has gone through something like that. That's the, the, the example of, of Job. You know, he's suffering and he doesn't know why. Actually, when you read the entire story, you see that he never got the answer on why he was suffering. But what we see is that the Job at the end of the story is a much better version than the Job at the beginning of the story. The same is the case for the Israelites. They went through 40 years in the desert. And actually, many of them never understood why. But there was a fraction of that group that at the end of 40 years finally got it. Finally understood that there was a reason much bigger, much better than their own understanding and why they were going through that. See, I think that's what this prophet needed to hear. And this is what we need to hear. This is what this prophet needed to understand. And this is what you and I need to understand today. We don't need to have all the answers right now. God is doing something for his glory and your good. You know, I have a relative that has gone through a lot. See, at age 12, uh, her mom um, leaves home and, and, and she leaves six, six kids behind. And when she becomes a teenager, she was sent uh, to a private school because she became an inconvenience for the rest of the family. And when she becomes a young adult, she goes to a different country to study. But things did not go according to plan. And now she's in a foreign country as a single mom, a newborn baby. So she decides to come back home. And when she comes back home, she meets Prince Charming. She meets the man that will make her feel secure and loved. But things did not go according to her plan. And Prince Charming goes away. And now she's got two more kids. And now she's got three kids that she's got to raise by herself. And it's one relationship after another. And one thing after another. And things get more complicated. And finally, finally, somewhere in her 40s, she has this amazing encounter with God. And she's completely transformed by God. And she goes back to see everything that she has gone through. Everything she has gone through. And she realizes one thing. In every season of her life, God was doing something in the midst of all of that. Because even when she was far from God, God was never far from her. 
Therefore, she was never alone. Through the fiery furnace, she was never alone. See, that's the perspective. Trust. Trust because God is always doing something. Trust because everything the Lord brings or allows has a purpose. Trust that everything he brings is for his glory and your good. Trust. Trust because he cannot lie. Trust because this is not a waste of time. Even if you don't have answers. Even when we come to God in honesty and we ask questions, even if we don't get answers. This is why Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, there's this amazing text that has helped me so many different times. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all that this all surpassing that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Everything. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. In the midst of troubled times, God says. Trust me, though it lingered, wait. This is how we grow in in waiting. This is how we patiently wait. This is how we learn how to live life. And, And the book says that we ought to practice honesty and we ought to have a perspective. But lastly, the text invites us to remain faithful. It calls us to faithfulness. Look at what verse 4 says at the end. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Now, that's an interesting word because the NIV, which is the version that we use here, uses the word faithfulness. But other translations, like the ESV and the King James Version, for example, they use the word faith. That the righteous person should live by faith. What is interesting, though, is that when you look at the word and you study the word, you realize that that word can be translated in both ways. Faithfulness and faith. And I believe that the reason, and, and I believe that the reason why this word has these two meanings is because this word answers two questions. Number one, the first question is this: as we are learning to wait, and as we are going, as, as we are growing uh, in patience, what's our duty? And the text says, remain faithful. See, one of the struggles we have when we go through difficult times is that we always want to do something. Something extra that maybe we we shouldn't do. Or we want to uh, try to avoid certain things, so we do other things. And maybe the tendency is to want to walk away from the Lord because maybe we think that the solution is something else. But that's not what the text says. The text says the best thing that we could do is to remain faithful. Is to keep doing the things that we're supposed to do. You know what's interesting about the Christian life? That the Bible describes it as a walk. Not as a run, but as a walk. That in the midst of everything we go through, that in the midst of our troubled times, you keep walking. 
You keep walking because the Lord is doing something. No need to run, just walk. Keep faithful. Don't compromise your values. Keep faithful. But the second thing that we see from this text with the word faithfulness is that if the word can also be translated as faith, then this explains how or where do we get the power and the strength to continue going. And I believe that this is the reason why the word can be translated as faith as well. This is the thing here. That phrase, the righteous shall live by faith, it's a, it's a phrase that appears in the, in the New Testament three times. It appears in Romans 1, Galatians 3, and Hebrews 10. And in every single one of those texts, it tells you that the, extreme, that the strength and the power to be able to live a faithful life comes from us knowing and understanding that in Jesus Christ we have been justified. That we have been declared righteous before the Father. This is the thing. That's a practical application. The only way we learn to patiently wait is when we know that in Jesus, because we have been justified, we have been forgiven, and we have been accepted, and we have been loved. That it doesn't matter how much you have to wait because of what Jesus did and because you are justified, you are never alone. Even in the fiery furnace, you are never alone. You are never abandoned because Jesus at the cross was abandoned for your sake. And if that is true, then even as we come to the Father, we have permission to be honest. Because if we have been justified, that means then also that we have been adopted. And if we have been adopted, then God is our Father and we have complete access to him through Jesus. The Father is always available. And if that is true, and we have been justified, and we are, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you know that everything we go through is not punishment. It might be discipline, but it's not punishment. He might be refining us. He might be teaching us that everything he does is for his glory. He might be teaching us that everything he does is for our good. And in that, you can rest. How do we learn to wait? Honesty, perspective, and faithfulness. Let me close here with the last section of the poem we read at the beginning. So be silent, my child, and in time you will see that the greatest of gifts is to get to know me. And though often my answers seem terribly, terribly late, my most precious answer of all is still wait. Let us pray. Lord, we know that waiting is hard because it's unnatural to us. Lord, we know that it's to wait, to patiently wait is hard because everything outside of us may look like a chaos. Lord, but in the process of all of this, and as we are trying to process all of this, Lord, I pray for the three things that we talked about today. I pray, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, we learn how to be honest. And if we ought to vent, teach us how to vent with you. To talk to you 
instead of talking about you. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you open up our eyes so we could have a different perspective. That everything that you allow and bring, Lord, at the end of the day is for your glory and our good. You are doing something. And lastly, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I pray, Lord, that you help us remain faithful. Because we have been justified and that's our power and that's our strength. Please refine your church during this process. And bring many people to you. Because what you're doing, it's great. And one day we will see it. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And the church says, amen. Amen. Let's respond to the word. I will, Lord. We will sing to you, even in the valley. You are with us and you are worthy of our praise.
All right, church, before we finish our service here, um, I, I want to read over you Romans chapter 8, verse 28 again. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the reason why I wanted, I wanted you to hear that one more time is this. There is no better opportunity for us to be the church outside of the church than this time. This is a time in which you can cling to that promise and not live by fear. And love and serve and reach those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ just yet. So be the church outside of the walls of the church. We love you and we miss you. Church, you are sent. Thank you for worshiping with us today. My name is Hannah and I serve with our student life team. Each Wednesday, we've had the opportunity to live stream from right here where I'm standing and interact with our fifth and sixth junior high and high school students. We've had some awesome time playing some fun games, learning from God's word, and winning some awesome prizes. So if you're a student watching today and you haven't tuned in yet, why not? Join us. Come hang out with us. You can find us online at wheatonbible.org slash studentlife. We'll see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock. As we shelter in place, feelings of isolation and loneliness may have heightened for you. But we believe that we are created to live in community. And for that reason, and to live that out, we have life groups. Right now, groups are meeting online to maintain distance, but to stay connected. If you have previously gone through Rooted, but took a semester off or lost touch with your group, now is the perfect time to jump back into community. You can text GROUP to 630-260-1600 to get connected into a group. And if you've never been in a life group here before, we have a new session starting May 28th that we would love for you to be a part of. Just text GROUP and we can help you get connected. That's all for today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We hope you have a connected week.